I want to dedicate this to every young filmmaker, the youth that is showing us how things are done. Really, they are in every country in the world. And I was, I was a kid enamored with movies uh, growing up in Mexico. I thought uh, this could never happen. It happens. And I want to tell you, everyone that is dreaming of a parable, of using genre fantasy to tell the stories about the things that are real in the world today, you can do it. This is a door. Kick it open and come in. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the Comic Book Bullies with Nerd is the New Bully. I'm your host, Leroy, with my co-host. This is Eli in a half shell. There we go. He's a... Uh... All right, which one are you, though? I'll be Raphael, because I'm pissed off all the time. Raphael. Okay, <laughs> now, now here's the thing. There's actually scientific evidence behind this. They're saying that your favorite turtle is based on your favorite personality. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like, there's only like four personalities on the planet. You know, like Raphael's like instinctive. Uh, Leo is the alpha. Donnie is the beta. You know, Mikey is the, you know, the, uh, the goofball. I guess not really goofball, but the guy that likes to stand out of the crowd, you know. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Like the, guy that, the center of attention, center of attention, something like that. So if you listen to this podcast, you are one of the Ninja Turtles. So whichever one you are, that explains a lot about you. So if you're Donnie, yeah, you're, you're a beta. Do something about that. <laughs> you probably can't because it's in your DNA, but whatever. Uh, that being said, we can move on. Eli, did you get a chance to watch the Oscars last night? I did not because I was working, but I saw some clips online. So Okay. I heard, about you, I heard about it also. As a matter of fact, I was watching the Oscars and fell asleep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's not really my thing. I don't know. It's like the, it's like the first Oscar in like the last two years. Black people weren't boycotting. It's not going to go back to what we were doing before and just not watching it. Yeah. So did you did you, hap- did you happen to see the Indian? <laughs> no. When, when did that happen? Well, we, we finally had an Indian, a Native American on TV, man. You might have missed it. I mean, it was one back in 1970 that boycotted on, on stage, didn't it? Uh, yeah. You, you remember that one? I do, I yes. Know, I know you remember that one. Sashi yeah. Littlefeather over, uh, that was Godfather. When Marlon Brando right. won the, right. the Godfather, yeah. Um, no, Wes Studi, uh, act, native actor. He was in Dances with Wolves. He was in, uh, he was one of the voices of the blue alien Indians in Avatar. Um, he got to, uh, present for the military or something. Some mili- they were honoring the military. And I guess he oh, served so it. He was like, oh, so he was invited there. Yeah, he actually presented an award. He, uh, oh, I guess, okay. I, I guess he was he in Vietnam. Out. Yeah, I guess he served in Vietnam. So he presented an award or whatever, this something about how Hollywood uh, honors the military with all their war films and shit. They showed clips of, you know, Full Metal Jacket and Saving Private Ryan and all that shit, Patton and 
you know, Platoon and all them Oscar war movies and shit, Hurt Locker. Yeah, Captain America, First Avengers, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, it's, it's rare where there's a Native American on TV, so. And I missed it. I had to watch, I had to see it on Yo, the yeah, internet. See, that's why you need to quit boycotting Oscars. <laughs> I had to search for it, and, and yeah, I, I I had a hard time searching for it. Like, I pulled up YouTube, you know, West Duty Oscars, and, like, nothing came up. <laughs> right. Finally, Native American that was invited to the Oscars. That's a big moment, so. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but like I said, I fell asleep. Oh, did, okay. Eli, you said, uh, who won that I should give a shit about? Well, The Shape of Water won Best Picture. Uh, so oh, yeah. That was Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. You said you did see that, right? I did see that. And it, yeah, it was cool. Okay. A lot of, you know, the thing is about these Oscar movies, a lot of people don't watch them, so they just automatically just say bad things about it. Like, oh, is that that uh, Fishman bestiality movie? Oh, I see why I won the Oscar. Like, that's kind of an oversimplification of that movie. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's more going on with it than that, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I haven't seen it. But they're saying it's supposed to be like a, a Splash remake? Or I guess there's elements of that. It's not, not funny like Splash was. It was more like Creature the, from the Black Lagoon meets, I, I don't know. They, I, meets I, I Beauty this, and the Beast, I, sort of. Because okay. I saw this uh, YouTube video where they had like scenes of Splash and scenes of Shape of Water, and you almost couldn't tell which one was which, except one was a, a fish man, the other was like naked Daryl Hannah, you know. The other than that, it was like the same thing, you know. Yeah. Well, in, in Shape of Water, the, 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 the fish man doesn't turn into, like, you know, Denzel or a hot dude, you know what I mean? Like in Splash, like she's right. a hot chick, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, he's pretty much an ugly motherfucker through the whole movie, you know? <laughs> okay. So, I don't know. So, people are freaking out about that. Uh, good for Shape of Water, I probably will like it. I might even like it. I'll probably watch it, may even like it. I don't know. But you said it was somebody else I should give a shit about, right? Oh, yeah. Get Out won uh, original screenplay. Um, cool, cool. Get Out. I, I, I was shocked about that. I, I knew it was going to get nominated, but I thought it was going to pass over some other bullshit I've never seen before. You know, but glad Get Out won. Uh, I heard when I woke up. Well, actually, I saw this. Kobe Bryant won last night, uh, the NBA basketball player. So, Good, L.A. Lakers. What did he uh, Yeah, he won? he won an Oscar for a movie. Oh, damn, I did not even know. Yeah, I didn't even know he had a movie. Yeah. Uh, Mary J. Blige was nominated. I don't know if she won. I Like I said, I fell asleep. She did a you know performance. Other than that, that's only thing I can think of. Uh, yeah, the Oscars is the Oscars. I really don't give a shit. I just look it up online when it's all said and done, because who gives a fuck? Uh that means they can move on. But yeah, horror movies. Like, I mean, Get Out was a horror flick. You know, you can c- classify The Shape of Water as a horror. It had to deal with horror elements. It had a monster in it. So it's kind of hmm. cool that horror took over the Oscars this year. Well, because before this happened, they said that there has never been a, a horror movie that won the Oscar for anything. I don't know well, if that's true Silence, or not. But... Silence of the Lambs, like, won Best Picture back in oh, the cool. day. But um, but okay. other than that, yeah, there's really horror doesn't really get not. I think Jaws was like nominated back in the '70s, and like The Exorcist, like you know those movies were they didn't win though. They never won. You know, most of the time, you know, yeah. genre movies never win usually. <laughs> Less like like Lord of the Rings won, you know, that one time. You know. <laughs> yeah, and and that almost seemed like a fluke, but it hey, it happens, so it's whatever. I mean, it's just like Star Wars used to win a lot, you know, back then. Yeah, Star so say, the first Star Wars was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. And Star Wars is a genre movie. It doesn't yeah. seem like it, but it is. 
Yeah, you know. usually they, they win for like special effects or you know, some technical award, sound effects or costumes. Now, I'll, or I'll some be honest shit. with you. That, that's when I fell asleep right then because when they nominated The Last Jedi for sound effects and it didn't win, I'm like, <laughs> fuck this bullshit. Like, like that's when I, I, that's why I seem like the Oscars like to pick shit nobody's seen so you can't argue against them. Yeah. You know, pick a movie nobody's seen if it's bad. Nobody know if you pick a popular movie, you know, like Star Wars with like six hundred million domestically. Yeah, of course people are gonna have opinions about it because everybody's seen it. But pick some other movie nobody's seen. We just gotta just take your word for it. But yeah, they love to do shit like that. So when I saw all that, you know, and you you saw Dunk, Dunkirk, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> okay, so apparently Dunkirk won best sound editing or best sound mixing over Star Wars. I'm like, really? Like, um, it's, it's Lucas Films. It's, that's what they do. Yeah, they invented sound effects. <laughs> exactly. So who should beat them? Unless it's somebody, you know, that's a splinter group from them. Then you just can't just beat them. But whatever. I don't know. Yeah. And, who, and, oh, one more thing. Who the hell is Eliza Gonzalez? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I my don't even know. God. Yeah, yeah well, whatever it was, she's beautiful. I don't know what the fuck movie she's in. She just showed up like, what, what the fuck? You know, usually hot actresses and hot chicks. You, you're supposed to know that stuff. You know, you're supposed to know, okay, that's Scarlett Johansson. You know, that's Halle Berry. So it's, this chick's like, whoa, what the fuck? She's hot. She's in the Oscars, so she's supposed to be in something. So not worried about it. They're sticking a superhero movie sooner or later. That's that's what they always do. <laughs> you know? And so that being said, can we move on past the Oscars? Like I said, we we talked long enough about the Oscars, and neither one of us even really watched the shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, one more thing I didn't want to say, not Oscar-related, but kind of Oscar-related. Uh, Wind River's on Netflix. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see it yet. I was going to sit down and get a chance to check it out. But, yeah, Wind River's on Netflix. We know it was snub. We know why it was snub. But, yeah. hey, that's that's life. So Yeah. Sometimes you get punished for some dumb shit other people do. So Yeah, check it out. It's cool. Now, well, like I said, it's on Netflix. I definitely check it out. They Netflix really get good movies. So when they finally get one, I definitely check it out. Uh, that means said, now we said we can move on to the box office, box office numbers. And Eli, take a wild guess. What is number one? Is it still for Black the third Panther? week straight? Black Panther. <laughs> yes, Black Panther is uh, number one again in the third week straight, hitting record numbers. And we'll go back to Black Panther number in a second, but let's just run through here and see what else we have. Uh, oh. What do you think number two was? Um, I don't know. Is there a cartoon still? Uh, I don't know. No, okay. I'll, get, I'll just do the rundown. Okay, like I said, we got number two, Red Sparrow. Oh, really? Is Red, that out? That's yeah, out, huh? That's out, yeah. Red Sparrow, the Jennifer Aniston movie. Now, I'm going to give you a breakdown of Red Sparrow. Red Sparrow, Eli, is not what you think it is. Or it's not what I thought it was. It's not the Black Widow movie? They They sell it as a Black Widow movie. But it's not really a Black Widow movie because the thing is it's supposed to be like realistic. It was written by an actual CIA agent, like the novel is based on a CIA agent, and basically like she didn't have any like like assassination skills. Like she, all she do is just bang dudes. That's all she does. Was this uh was this written by a woman? Uh, I think it's written by a dude. Oh okay. Yeah. Oh, but I don't. But it may be directed by a woman. I don't know. But the thing is, but it's not like like Fifty Shades where it's like. You know, like like the hot steamy sex scene. Like she might be banging some like three hundred pound dude, or like that. Like shit, she don't really want to do. And technically, she's like a prostitute for the you know Russian government or some shit. And she's saying how it affects her, and she's getting psychological damage from it and shit like that. And, and you know, it's basically they're saying it's not the movie you think it is. Yeah, yeah. So 
I don't know. You might like that type of shit, Eli. I don't know. I'm like, eh, I'll pass on that. Uh, yeah, I have really no interest in seeing you. Okay. I, I might be, that might make me an asshole, but I, yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> but if they sold as a Black Widow movie, that had me interested. When I heard it was like torture porn, I was like, eh. Was okay. Oh, really? Oh, well, then maybe I will watch it. <laughs> <laughs> the shit I didn't think was sell you didn't sell you. The shit, whatever. Well, it okay. looked like, it looked like Lucy or what's that, Salt or whatever, which I've never, I still never seen. Lucy or, or Salt. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're exactly what you expect them to be. Yeah. I've yeah. seen both of those movies, and I was like, yeah. okay. Salt was actually supposed to be a Tom Cruise movie. Oh, really? Yeah, like his name was supposed to be Evan Salt, but then they put, uh, it got stuck in development hell, they decided to switch him out with uh, Anthony Jolie, and he called it Evelyn Salt, and, you know, just ran away with it. But those movies are exactly what you expect them to be. But Red Sparrow is not what you expect it to be. They say it's going to be like realistic, you know, and showing like the whole psychological aspect of what it is to be like a, you know, government whore or whatever, you know, whatever it is. You know, just just watch the movie. Just think about it like that. Anyway, moving past that, number three, we have Death Wish. Oh. 2018. Yeah. Oh, I, I, saw, I, I saw it. I saw it. I went and saw it. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, well what do you think about it? It's all right. Okay. Wasn't yeah. as cool as I was hoping, you know. I was hoping for some. I guess I wanted a little bit more action. It was okay, kinda, that's it, what I was gonna yeah. ask you. Like, is it is it the Punisher movie we've been hoping for? No, no, it's not. <laughs> it was trying to be. It was trying to be, but it just. I don't know. I don't. Know, maybe it's just Eli Roth movies, man. He just the pacing is just so. It takes forever to get going, and it's just yeah. I was just like kind of I I felt myself getting bored and not giving a shit, and um, yeah, which was disappointing because I was really hoping for, you know, I mean the kill scenes like the, the like the you know the kill scenes are cool because it's Eli Roth and he's a horror director and he relishes in the gore and shit. So the violence is really brutal and and, and you know, but um and graphic and bloody, but you know, I just, it was just slow. I thought it was, a, I just thought it was slow. <laughs> that's, that's I think. Wow, yeah. that's kind of bad for a movie that's supposed to have, like, all kind of action and stuff like that, you know, but. Yeah, oh well. it felt like it was trying, and it, it felt like it was trying to make a statement and be deeper than it was, you know, mm-hmm. as far as, like, making a statement on gun violence and, and, you know, taking the law into your own hands. And you can make that argument about, you know, that, you know, that's the, the, the gun debate is in. You know, the, you know, that, that is a, a, a hot topic these days and the timing of this movie, people are arguing that it's bad timing, but, you know. But, and that's the thing. We live in a fucked up world that there's no such thing as the right timing. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is like, you, I mean, for, for those who just want to bitch about, you know, and just, you know, pretend that this movie needs to fit some sort of agenda. I mean, come on. I mean, you're le- trying to legislate art. I mean, in entertainment. I mean, John Wick. You can say that about John Wick, and no one gives a shit about that. You know, The Matrix and all these other action movies and that just, you know, they're just action movies, you know, fucking Tar- Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez movies. It's the same shit. It's just people want to put an agenda to this movie, which is unfair to the movie, but it doesn't make the movie any better if you don't put the agenda. It's like it's being sabotaged by the by the topic, you know what I mean? The gun yeah. topic now, is sort of sabotaging this movie, but the movie's not that great to begin with, so... 
<laughs> now, now, let, let me ask you this. Does the movie address those issues, even, like, for a split second? Yeah, there's, like, all these radio, like, sway in the morning. There's all these cut scenes of him having, like, a radio talk show, and they're talking about, they're just talking about gun violence and guns and stuff throughout the movie, kind of sprinkled in throughout the movie, and it's just, they don't really need them. They're, like, it's unnecessary. It's like the movie's trying to be deeper than it really is, and if, I, if they just went straight up, this is a revenge action movie, it'd be fine, you know, and because mm-hmm. it doesn't, you, you don't need to go there, because people can disassociate art with real life and be entertained yeah you know, by art and not have to, you know, to escape what you will from the the bullshit of the world or to deal with the bullshit of the world through art and entertainment, you know, and that's basically why we watch these movies, you know. Right. Well, <laughs> well, the thing is, the, the original Death was actually did deal with, you know, uh, gun control, racial profiling. It did. I mean, it didn't harp on them. It was almost like maybe like a throwaway line that you got to watch the movie two or three times to even catch, you know. Yeah. Just, just like yeah I mean, it, it wasn't yeah. just overt in your face, you know. Yeah, the original well, the original movie, the very first one, yeah, dealt with, you know, crime and, and the justice system and the failed justice system and it made comments on all that, you know, mm-hmm. before the rest of the series just turned into this exploitation, <laughs> you know, you know, well, that's, yeah, that's, what, that's what this shit got fun. Death Wish 3 yeah. is like the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the series became just this action hero you know, Rambo in the hood kind of fast. Yeah, I mean, at the end of yeah. that movie, there was no black or brown person <laughs> left standing. Yeah, they're all like punk rockers and shit. They all have <laughs> mohawks and leather jacket and spikes and, you know, <laughs> fucking with the only Jewish, old Jewish couple that still lived in the ghetto for some reason. Like, like <laughs> fucking move. Why are you here? You know? Like, well, yeah, they got a shop. Did they have a shop? Yeah, like a I don't know if they had a shop. They were just there for no reason, you know. <laughs> and Charles Bronson, and he was just there. Like, he know, if I'm, I'm white, if I just stand in the middle of the street, somebody will fuck with me. So yeah. I'm just stand here and just shoot the fuck out of when they do. Yeah, he just shoots people. And he didn't yeah. give a shit. I mean, you didn't sit there and ask, oh, my God, he shot this poor person. No, he was a bad guy. That's what you do. You're right. <laughs> You know, you just shoot him and then go get get a beer and that's it. You know? Yeah, I mean it's it's just a nameless, faceless enemy. That's what the revenge. That's what that's the fantasy. You know. Yeah. And I think people these days, oh my God, he does all this violence. But that's what it's for. You don't sit there and question who the fuck. Like John Wick kills all these fucking enemies. You don't sit there. Oh my God, that man had a family. Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> right. It takes you out of the fantasy. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> Some scumbag asshole, shoot him and move on. Yeah, you he's know? the bad guy. That's what you do. This is a movie where a guy, a hitman who kills bad guys. That's, you know, watch something okay. else. Now let me, ask, <laughs> let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Okay. So how did Bruce Willis learn how to shoot in this movie? Um. Yeah, he goes to a, yeah, they do address that. They, he goes and gets a gun um, he goes, yeah, to a gun shop, and they even say, oh, don't worry about the paperwork. Everybody passes, the, you know. So it does emphasize how easy it is to get a gun. And, yeah, he goes mm. and practices shooting and shit and all that crap. And okay. So, yeah, it is like a throwback to the old original movie. Right, because um, the old movie, he went to, like, Arizona, Texas, some shit. Oh, he yeah. Like, like, <laughs> That's you're like some real gunslingers, you know. <laughs> no, he just goes to, like, you know, goes to a gun shop. You know, owned by rednecks. You know, they're all like white, you know, stereotypical white rednecks with a gun shop, and <laughs> and then and then yeah, and then he goes to like this garage. He's like inside this like warehouse, learning how to shoot. 
practicing shooting and shit. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I oh. mean, the, the, the violence in it is really brutal and there is some scene, a couple scenes where I like laughed out loud because they were so outrageous and violent. But, but I, I think yeah. in a movie like this, especially in Eli Room, that's, that probably was the intended, you know, reaction he wanted you to get for that scene if you laughed at it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what it was for. It's like a, it's like, you know, over the top, gory, cartoony violence. It's just they, I think they tried to make it more deeper than it should. It didn't have to, it didn't have to address all that shit because this is, you know, it's, it's like we say, escapism and art and how we cope with reality. And that's, they didn't have to sit there and try to be deep. Just do what you were going to do. Just go balls out, which is what I wish the Punisher did. You know, the Punisher Netflix series did. I wish they would have just pushed it, all violence, and fuck it, fuck what everybody thought, you know? <laughs> Right. But they had to address the gun violence and is the Punisher doing the right thing and maybe you should think twice about it. You know, I don't know. So, like I said, we we should own Punisher long enough. But I was hoping that Death Wish would be a Punisher movie because Punisher is basically a Death Wish comic, you know. Yeah. Thinking the whole thing would come full circle, but eh, oh well. Yeah, it was, was, in the end, it was just just disappointing. I was a little disappointed in it. Okay. Oh well. Well, just go watch Death Wish 3 and watch the Tate Catch Your Mouth. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, uh, like, oh, rating, rating. Give me, give me a rating. Ah, uh, shit. I would say three out of five. It's worth the look, but it's, it's, you know, yeah. Sound, sound like that's where you're going with it. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Number four. Number four is Game Night. The Jason Bateman movie is hanging in there. Heard it, heard some good things about it. Might be go see it. Don't even know. Uh, oh, did I tell you that I, I won my sales contest and my boss is taking me to the movies? Oh, damn. There you go. Yeah, we're supposed to go tomorrow. We don't know what we're going to see yet. We're probably going to talk about Black Panther, but we oh. think we're playing that or gang night, so we'll, oh. we'll see how it goes from there. Annihilation, uh, 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 that uh, Natalie Portman movie, I guess. Yeah, oh, yeah, it, yeah. It's hanging in there. I heard that's supposed uh, to be good. We, yeah. Yeah, and as I keep going, uh, Jumanji, still hanging in there. Where's Jumanji at? Jumanji is $9.28 million right now. So I doubt it's gonna hit. A, I doubt it's gonna hit a billion before it's all said and done. But yeah, it's hanging in there. It's it's doing pretty good. Uh, number eight, Fifty Shades Free. Yeah, 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 it's in there. Uh, number nine, The Greatest Showman, the Hugh Jackman movie, still hanging in there. And number ten, Every Day. I forgot what what is that again? I don't even know. Early. Man. Yeah, every. I don't know what that is. Anyway, that being said, that's box office. Now let's go back to the Black Panther numbers. Now, like I said, the Black Panther is still putting up some pretty impressive numbers. Domestically, what now? Right now, is at eight hundred ninety-seven million, so it's probably be at nine hundred million, like in a couple of days or so. Domestically, it is at five hundred one million, so already at half a billion domestically, which means it has passed Age of Ultron as the second highest grossing comic book movie of all time, domestically. Damn. The only movie left is Avengers. Avengers is at six thirty, uh, well six twenty-nine, um. Like I said, all time. But the thing is, in a 17-day span or 18-day span or whatever it is like that, Black Panther is actually outpacing Avengers. I think at this time, right, I think Avengers was like at $450 million. I don't think it was at half a billion just yet. So if it keeps at the pace it's going, Black Panther probably will end up being the highest-grossing domestic comic book movie of all time. That's, that's pretty so, good. That's pretty impressive. So it's there. Um 
yeah, like I said, I got nothing else to talk about Black Panther, well, at least like number wise, stuff like that. But I did want to talk something briefly about it, Eli. Like I said, for a lot of people, you know, they just want to just see a comic movie. They just want to saw Black Panther. It's cool. Move on. And they get ready for, you know, the next movie to come out. But for the black community, it is still a huge topic. Like they just breaking down the certain themes of the movies like that. And it's another thing that actually was brought up that I was waiting for it to, to come up, but nobody actually brought it up. Now, what I meant is uh, there's this actress called Amandla Stenberg, maybe fucking the name up, whatever. For those of you who don't, don't know who she is, she's Rue from The Hunger Games, you know, the 12-year-old that taught Jennifer Lawrence everything about how to survive in the woods. And when she finally showing her how to survive in the woods, she died. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, there's some fucked up shit about that. But anyway... She says, and the thing about it, to give a background on it, this actress is biracial, you know, half black, half white, and all the stuff like that. She's a lighter complexion. And she says she was in the running for Black Panther. I guess she's saying she was, uh, uh, like, in the running, like, one of the last people to get the Shuri role. But she says she's had to drop out the Shuri role because she wanted to give the dark-skinned actresses a chance. Oh, is that what she, I saw you tw- your tweet about that, and I didn't, I didn't get what that was. I thought it sounded like a racist white person. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I just remember reading and going, damn. <laughs> right. So they're saying, so it's not anything, you know, a white person saying it like that. It's just a lighter skin complexion. Uh, you know, she she's black, but she's lighter skin and she's trying to away from role because she wanted to give, like I said, the dark skin actress a chance. And some people say, you know, she was brave for doing that. Some people say she's grandstanding making herself look good. Some people saying she's coming off kind of an ass. Some people are saying she's being kind of ignorant in the whole situation because there actually are light-skinned Africans in Africa. But it's a whole big situation going on. And basically what's going on is that, okay, Eli, remember you told me about uh, blood quantum? Yeah. yeah. Okay, now, like I said, because I'm trying to get your whole interpretation of this whole situation going on. Because like I said, this movie is, is bringing to light a lot of stuff that we're dealing with. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Now, blood quantum is basically like you got to have – so much blood to be qualified as a native. Yeah, yeah, you have to. Yeah, I forget what the numbers are, but yeah, okay. you have to. You have to prove, and you have to prove it too. Um, you know, natives are like the only race that has to prove their blood quantum. You know. <laughs> okay. It's kind of fucked up. Was, you know? Yeah, because when you said it the last time you said it, I was like, "What the fuck is blood quantum?" So I did a quick Google check, like, "Oh, okay, well that makes sense." Yeah. Well, here's the thing: blood quantum doesn't exist in the black community. Yeah. The reason because there's the one drop rule. The one drop rule basically is you have a drop of black blood and you're black in the slave times, you were a slave. Mm-hmm. Now, if you didn't have as much, you were on the lightest side, you probably would have been in the house, you know, cooking, cleaning, stuff like that. But if you're dark skin, like I am, probably would have been in the field. But mm-hmm. either way, you would have been a slave either way. So the one drop rule still exists today. That's why, you know, Obama, he's mixed, but he's still black. This chick, she's mixed, still black. Yeah. That being said, there's become some kind of divisive in war, like racism within their own race, which is called yeah. colorism. You know, basically the light skinned blacks versus the dark skinned blacks. And it's this, it's this thing we don't really like to talk about in the open, but the movie kind of addresses it without addressing it. Because if you watch Black Panther, there are no light skinned black people in that movie. Everybody's dark skinned. Mm-hmm. Now, there's not saying, and, and that kind of makes sense because, like I said, if there was a, uh, a biracial, you know, actress in the movie, it will make you wonder. Like, this movie's supposed to be about an African nation that had never been colonized by Europeans, so why is one of them half European? Yeah. You know, 
it would kind of bring some questions up to that, even though, like I said, there are light-skinned Africans in Africa and stuff like that. But at the same time, there's another issue also. Now, like I said, Eli, you we know, like I said, it's hard for a minority actress in Hollywood to get a leading role of any color other than white. Uh, now, but if you're lighter skinned, it's a little bit easier. You have a little bit head start. That's why you see Halle Berry in a lot of these roles, even though she really can't act worth shit. But she's a little bit lighter, so she can land these roles. That's why she's landing Storm with everybody. Like, she's completely miscast for that role. But you get a, like, but when you try to think of, like, a dark-skinned black love interest in any movie, you can't find them. Like, you, okay, now, it's not the same for the males. Like I said, you got Wesley Snipes. You got Denzel. Like, let's just throw Will Smith in there, something like that. You have all these big-name black actors but they're almost never with dark-skinned black women in the movies. They're either going to be with a light-skinned love interest, black, or not even black at all. Should be white, should be Mexican, should be Asian, should be whatever, but it won't even be that. Go watch any Idris Elba movie, you're going to never see it with a dark-skinned woman. So when she drops out of this role, you know, she's been saying she's giving a chance for the darker sisters to to land a role, which I think, you know, is a, is a pretty good thing. But some people think that she she making it seem like she's giving a handout. You know, like, I'm going to just stand back and just let you get a role that I can get a role anytime I want to. But it's a it's a problem in Hollywood that should be addressed also. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, flip, and the flip side is, like I said, this is a comic book show. It's actually reversed in the comics. Now, for instance, if you read any comic and you see a black person in the comic, notice there are no light skinned, black skinned people, even though in real life you got light skinned black, uh, black people of all different shades. In the comics, they're all the exact same shade. War Machine, the same color as John Stewart. John Stewart, the same color as Storm. Storm, the same color as Black Panther. Luke Cage, Spawn, whatever the fuck you want to put in there. They're all the same color because. Miles Morales. And, and he's, now, supposed Miles, be, he's supposed to be half Puerto Rican and shit. He's supposed to be half Puerto Rican and is black as, and is black as fucking Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> now, how does that make any sense? Of, that's why people are going to be pissed when they make a live action. People are going to be pissed no matter what they do when they make a live action Miles Morales. Because, for instance, He's supposed to be Afro-Latino. That's what he's supposed to be, yeah. you know. But you know what's going to happen. They're going to pick just the, the blackest dude they can possibly find, just some dark-skinned dude to play him. And the Latino community is going to get pissed at Miles Morales. Like, what, what the fuck? I thought he's one of us. <laughs> and so they're going to say it's blackwashing, you know, whatever. But if they make him Afro-Latino and they make him lighter skin, which that's going to be lighter skin, then you're going to have some black people going to get pissed because they're going to think, but he wasn't that light in the comics. There are no light skinned people in the comics. Everybody is the same fucking shade. So that's why I, I get kind of mad when I hear this argument about Storm. Like, oh, Storm's supposed to be dark skinned. Why is she light like Halle Berry? Or whatever the fuck that other chick that played in, in X Men Apocalypse. Why are they biracial? We're supposed to be this. Like, they never really specified how dark Storm was. Because whenever another color comes in the comics, they'll make her whatever color she wants to be. She might be light, might be dark, whatever. So you can't really make that argument. So. Yeah, Miles Morales is going to be a touchy situation. Want to see how they handle that? Uh, and, then, and then you know, and then all the white folks are going to be like, "Damn, these minorities are really racist." <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, that's another thing. That's why. That's why it's a topic that black people in general don't really like to bring up. You know, we like to keep that kind of conversation in the community because yes, yeah. colorism is a real big thing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, being dark skinned, I look. I'm I'm six two. I'm dark skinned, two hundred pounds. I scare white people. I know that. You know, you're six two. Holy shit, you're tall. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a short little Italian boy here. I like five to eight. 
that's the thing. People think I'm Mexican. You know, I'm not Mexican at all. You know, I'm, you know, half native, half Italian. And, but I, because I was like living on the West side of St. Paul, which was like a Mexican neighborhood, everyone just thought, yeah. even the Mexicans thought I was Mexican. They speak Spanish to me. I don't know what the fuck they're saying. And shit. So, yeah. Yeah. So I can I can understand that you know because uh, like I said I've met a few Native Americans before it's it's kind of hard to tell yeah <laughs> I mean it, it just really is it's kind of like you, are you are you not well, especially especially now now Hispanics just in general sometimes can be hard to tell but like I said you have dark skinned Hispanics you know Hispanics darker than me you know like look at Sammy Sosa or something you know yeah. <laughs> well in the nineties not Sammy Sosa now you know <laughs> he's lighter than Bill Gates. Uh, but yeah, that's the conversation. But so, like I said, we'll see how that whole thing works out with her. I do think she should have probably saved this whole interview she did probably till after the hype of Black Panther dies down, because it does make it seem like that she's is giving a handout to the darker skinned sisters. But at the same time, she is giving awareness that yes, colorism exists in the real world and uh, Hollywood, and that's why another reason people are excited about. Black Panther, because they are seeing a lot of dark scene actors that normally don't get roles like that and don't normally get live acting roles like that. Like Lapita. Lapita is a great actress, beautiful actress. You almost never see her in a leading role. Mm-hmm. Like as a love interest. Like just never see that. You know? She's an alien, yeah. She'll <laughs> oh yeah, she'll be in Star Wars as, you know, as some short little alien, but she can't actually be yeah. you know, herself, you know. Yeah. And so And that's and that, and that's cool. That's what I like and what like why I mentioned it when we did our review. One of my favorite scenes is uh, Michonne, what's her character's name? I can't remember. Uh, but she, Okoya or Koye or whatever, where she took yeah. off the wig, you know, that whole wig thing, you know, it was like, it was such right. a statement on, like I said, the Western standard of beauty, you know, where she just takes this thing so stupid and she pulls it off and then throws it, you know, and <laughs> so, so that, that's right. what I liked about that. It, scene. it was quick, but it was effective and it got the point across. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like, just the the the, the, the thing about, what, about Black Panther is it it's showing I mean and the numbers the money that it's making is that it's showing that representation matters and mm-hmm. people want to see these stories you know <laughs> so. right I mean some people are mad that yeah Marvel did kind of make a movie catered to a certain audience okay there's nothing wrong with that that, that audience been waiting for a movie like that so yeah. so yeah I, I I like it but that's like I said that's We'll see where it goes. We'll, we'll, we're probably going to keep talking about Black Panther further on down the podcast and week after week when we see seeing how these numbers go. Numbers fade away. Fuck, we'll move on to something else. Because guess what, Eli? Something else happened. Uh-oh. Oh, you like the segue, don't you? Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently Robert Downey Jr. had a conversation on Twitter with Marvel Studios. And he asked them, why don't they move up, you know, Infinity War, you know, to give, you know, Han Solo and some other movies in May breathing room. And Marvel said, you know what? Yeah, we should do it. So when so when they did it, they went ahead and announced the Marvel Infinity War for April 27th. So if you guys had May locked into your mind, you need to back it up one more week and thank Robert Downey Jr. for that. Because now we have basically Infinity War coming in next month. Yeah. Yeah. That's in, yeah, that's insane when you think they like whoa whoa whoa. I thought I had time, you know, to prepare. You yeah. know, yeah. Now it made me think like, damn, should I buy my ticket now? You know. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's a big thing. But here's the thing, like, I, and, I, and I don't want to talk about Infinity War too long. But what do you think is gonna make more money at the box office, Infinity War or Black Panther? Oh shit, 
Um, I think Black Panther will. I think because of the cultural thing and the impact, um, mm-hmm. I think it'll probably make more. And Avengers, I mean, Avengers will make money regardless. But right. we've seen like this is the how many with the twentieth Marvel flick now. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it. No matter how what happens, we've seen Civil War. We've seen Age of Ultron. You know. We've seen these things. I mean, the, you know, there there's so many coming out every year. You know, I think, I think, yeah, I think Black Panther will take it. Yeah, I mean, here's my thing about that is that plus this is the first I, one. This is like part one of an Infinity War. We, you know, so. right? Because you got another one coming also. And here's my thing about that. Like, I had an argument with somebody online about that, saying that, oh no, Infinity War. If, if Black Panther's doing this, Infinity War is definitely gonna beat. I'm like, no, it's not. I'll tell you why, because the thing is with Black Panther, Black Panther for a lot of people was their first Marvel movie. Like I said, they made 18, 20 of these things. That's their first one. So obviously they didn't care about all the other shit. Iron Man, Captain America, Spider-Man, they don't give a shit. Want to see Black Panther because Black Panther was able to tap into a market that aren't into these comic book movies. Yeah. You know. I have aunts that watch the movie that don't like these movies. They went and saw that movie. Infinity War is not going to do that. If you haven't watched all 20 of these movies and stuff like that, you're not going to get excited for Infinity War. Like, if you don't know what the fucking Infinity Stone is, you're not going to care. Like, this is for us that have been, you know. The first appearance or their first appearance of Thanos, who's, like, hasn't shown up in 10 years. You know, (laughs) right. You know what I mean? Or if you've never heard of Thanos before then, you're not going to care, you know. Yeah. You're not you're not gonna have you know, like this, you're not gonna have people renting out an entire theater just to watch Infinity War or raising money to send kids to go see Infinity War, or you're gonna you're not gonna have you know you know just regular people that don't show up at these movies cosplaying to go see these movies. You're not gonna have the same cultural impact yeah. because, like I said, Infinity War at the end of the day it's another super, superhero movie. Now, Black Panther is too. Don't get me wrong. Black Panther is another superhero movie also. But like I said, it's a certain market. The hype that was built around it was able to capture people that aren't into these movies. Where I don't see uh, Infinity War doing the same thing. Like I said, it's going gonna, it's gonna to do a billion easily. Like, that's not even going to be an issue with it. But I don't see it just typing into the culture. Zeitgeist is going to get people. It's not going to get people that aren't into these movies. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I yeah. and and to be honest with you, I don't think Infinity War is going to beat Avengers. Like screw Black Panther, I don't think it's going to beat Avengers because like <laughs> the Avengers was something we've never seen before. Yeah. This is yeah. the like and just in just the Avengers movie, this is the third Avengers movie, not counting uh, you know the twenty other Marvel movies we've seen. We've seen it, but but somebody else brought up the point. Well, isn't Infinity doesn't Infinity War have Black Panther in it? Isn't it in Wakanda? <laughs> don't don't the people that saw Black Panther will want to see the continued adventures of it? Like, no, they're not. What? Well, if you saw Black Panther and you didn't see Infinity War because there's no black people in it, well, you're racist. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> where, the fuck we, where the fuck we go with that? <laughs> I don't think people are racist if they don't see a movie because it's not just all black people in it. Because, yes, Black Panther is 90% black people. That Black people did decide to see that. Infinity War is not going to be 90% black people, so some people are just not going to care. That doesn't make them racist. That just means they just don't want to see the movie. Like I said, uh, there's plenty of white people that haven't seen Friday. One of my favorite comedies <laughs> of all time. Yeah. <laughs> now, if I ask a white person, have they seen Friday, and they say, no, I'm not going to call them a racist. I'm just going to say, hey, it just wasn't your movie. You know, just move on from that. I'll um, give you another example. I'll I give you another example. Okay, you got Martin and Friends. Okay. 
Now, they're the same TV show. They're the same show. The same character, do the same shit and everything like that. But you ask a black person with their favorite show, they're going to say Martin. You ask a white person's favorite show, they're going to say Friends. Yeah. <laughs> 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10, something like that. But that doesn't make, if the other person hasn't seen the show racist, people just have different tastes. That's yeah. all. These comic book movies aren't for everybody. Black Panther was just a movie that attracted non-comic book fans. So that's why it's going to stand out when Infinity War is just, if you're into this comic book shit, you're going to be into this. So that's all I can say. I just just, yeah, just, like, just reminded me of a of a funny story. Uh, one time I was at Blockbuster back in the day, uh, obviously. Oh yeah, <laughs> for, I remember that. Yeah, Block, for those Blockbuster. Who, for those who don't know what Blockbuster is, when we used to go to we used to go Young rent movies. Yeah, we used to go right. rent movies, uh, rent DVDs, or this might have been VHS tapes. Yeah. VHS, right? <laughs> um, but anyways, I was in line at Blockbuster and. Uh, <laughs> Some white kid was in front of me, and the black uh, the, the 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 clerk was a black dude, and he rang up the mm-hmm. black the, the the white kid's uh, movies, and he's hey check it out this white boy is renting Undercover Brother and like made a- <laughs> <laughs> and put him on the spot, <laughs> <laughs> and it was just funny. So I don't know, I had nothing to do with anything we were talking about. I just thought that was. Cool. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, it's, it's funny. Yeah, but like I said, everybody has their own taste. So, man, you like? Can we talk about something depressing? Uh, yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about DC Comics. Well, DC in general. The the movies, yeah. <laughs> yeah the movies, the DCEU movies. Yeah, let's talk about them because, like I said, they're always having. Normally, we always like to shit on them on this podcast, but now I actually feel bad for them. The reason I feel bad for them because, like I said. Time Warner, which owns Warner Brothers and DC and all the stuff like that, Time Warner is in a acquisition where they're about to be bought by AT&T. AT&T is trying to buy Time Warner and everything associated with Time Warner. The problem is the government is trying to step in to stop it. You know why they stopping that, but not doing anything with Disney and Fox? I have no idea. But anyway, they don't know if that AT&T and Warner Brothers deal is going to go. Time Warner deal is going to go through. Thing is. Time Warner is saying that if the deal doesn't go through, they're going to have to sell off pieces of their empire. HBO is going to go over here. TNT is going to go over here. Warner Brothers going to go over here. DC might go over there. So they might actually have to sell off bits and pieces of it, you know, to keep what they're doing. So if this AT&T deal doesn't go through, DC might be up for, up for grabs. Yeah. So – like anybody could just snatch it up and just do it from there. And I kind of feel bad for them because it made me wonder, like, man, are the movies, and I know people like to shit on the movies, but I, I don't think they're the worst thing. Like, that fan forced it shit was fucking terrible. But it makes me thinking, are the DCEU movies bringing down the stock, overall stock of DC? Like, is it making it less valuable, you know, to the market, to the stock market? Like, in just, you know, no. is it making harder sales? Or is it making it Warner Brothers seem like, you know what? We really don't have a need for this shit. I mean, like I said, they lost their ass with, with Justice League. Let's be honest. The comics aren't making the money. Yeah. Comics aren't making anybody money yeah. nowadays. I know it's comic book podcast, but these companies are not making their money on comics. No. They're not. No. Hence, so, hence, why Ma- you- hence why Marvel comics suck. <laughs> right. <laughs> they don't give a shit. <laughs> Yeah. They don't care who buys this how, shit. Yeah, how, many, how many reboots and how many years? Do we fucking... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Keep rebooting their universe every fucking six months? 
They're going to do it again right. this that, summer again? They're doing it again? Exactly. Another number one for everything. There you go again, Marvel. Yeah. But the thing is, Marvel has the movies to fall back on. Yeah. Like, one, mo- one movie can – Black Panther's going to make more money by itself than Marvel's entire comic line. Yeah. You know, probably in the last years. But can can DC say the same thing? Like I said, they lost their ass on Justice League. The comic industry is, you know, really hurting right now, so they can't depend on that for income. So what is what is DC worth? That's the thing. Not not Warner Brothers, not Time Warner. DC itself. It kind of makes you wonder, especially since they're a good bit behind in the comic sales as far as Marvel. So this this hurts you, like I'd hate to, you know, see somebody snatch them up like Valiant or some shit, you know. <laughs> uh, and then people keep saying, oh, yeah, well, this is going to swoop in and buy D- uh, DC. Like, no, they're not. They're not going to do that. Yeah. The reason they're not going to do it because of the exact same reason I just said it. What is DC worth to them? Yeah. Nothing, because they already have Marvel. Why would you buy another comic company that does the same shit your other company, uh, comic company already has? Like, oh, and it's like, we could have the, we could have Batman fight, fight Spider Man in a movie. Oh, that would be right. so cool! Fucking fanboy. Oh, 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 remember that amalgam amalgam universe or some shit with Batman and Bruce and and Wolverine were combined and shit. Uh, vaguely. <laughs> okay, it was some shit in the 90s, but like that. But some friends thought pretty, oh, we can have that back. We can have Dark Claw, you know, and like, nobody wants to see that shit. <laughs> that shit didn't sell when it did have. Nobody cares about that yeah. shit, man. It's just, like, it's, DC, like, uh, Marvel is not going to buy DC because DC isn't worth anything to Marvel. They already had, they, Marvel could put out a Squadron Supreme movie right now, and it would make more money than Justice League made. Yeah. With no setup, anything, just drop it. And Suicide and Squadron Supreme is just Marvel's version of Justice League. That's all it is. So that's that's why they don't need to buy DC. So DC is going to float out there by itself. And I'll be honest with you, Eli. I think I think even Batman's, you know, stock is going down a little bit. Now he's still their he's still their bread and butter. You know, don't well, they, get me shove, wrong. they shove him in everything because he knows that's that's what that's what people like. You know. <laughs> And that's the thing. I'm starting to think that I, I feel like, me personally, I feel like Batman is starting to become oversaturated because DC knows that's all they have. You know, that's the only blue they have in the chamber. Yeah. So they just shoot every chance they get. And after a while, and it was cool 10 years ago, you know, when Christopher Nolan was doing this shit. But after 10 years, something like that, and you got movie flop after movie flop, and nothing else is really going on with Batman around that time. It's just like. Okay, you're not really doing anything else. Especially you get these three Batman cartoons a year from Warner Brothers, and they're not doing anything else. Like, okay, look, I'm sick. And look, this is like the the last two years, like the first year of these DC cartoons they're making that I, I hadn't even bothered to watch. And I'm just like, hey, you're putting out too much of this shit. I don't even care anymore, you know. So that's how I feel about that. So hopefully DC can, you know, do something. I don't want DC to break up and. Because I want DC to stay intact. That DC is my childhood. I don't want them to be like, oh, well, fucking this shit ain't even worth it. Let's just cancel this shit all together. You know, I want to keep going from there. Yeah. Um, last but not okay, we can talk about something else. Uh, oh, one more thing we're going to talk about DC. Uh, Wonder Woman 2. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Wonder Woman 2. They finally have announced that they, they have a villain. Their villain is going to be Cheetah. You remember Cheetah from the Legion of Doom, you know, she was the, the sexy cat chick and shit like that. And you think that would be easy casting, you know, just get a hot chick, you know, <laughs> put in a furry cat suit, you know, that's, that's, 
two of my finishes right there. <laughs> and then you call it a day, you know, uh, get a hot chick rolling around with Gal Gadot. You know, somebody just gives a, a, a bucket of jello, you know, spread on them, stuff like that. So I'm thinking it'd be easy. And then they announced who they wanted, and they said Kristen Wiig. And I'm like, what? Uh, the Saturday Night Live comedian? I guess. I mean, Eli, I'm I'm thinking this would be a layup. I'm thinking this would be easy. Remember that Ozilus Gonzalez chick or whatever? Is this the Oscar chick I that you're asking about? The, the Oscar chick I, that I just saw last night and fell in love with. Yeah, uh, I like put her in a furry cat suit and take my money. You know, <laughs> now, you, know you, remember, you remember this like, is Wonder Woman now, directed by women. And the, women <laughs> the the chicks have taken over true, Wonder Woman now. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, Michael Fay, you know, Yeah, you know it'd be Megan Fox in a cat suit. Yeah. You know, running See what happens like, when men make movies. Cheetah's going to be pregnant. Misogynistic, <laughs> sexist, male-dominated entertainment. Yeah, that's what. That's what. <laughs> we know what we want to see. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's what we want to see. But... Yeah. Oh, I'm tired yeah, of being I'm, objectified. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. People want to okay, fuck me. Right, and I'm, people want to fuck me, and I'm, I'm so tired of it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I know we're gonna get a lot of scratch, but maybe we won't. I don't know who cares. But yeah, I, I, I get it. Okay, maybe Kristen Wiig will be a convincing cheetah. Maybe. My thing is, this is just DC being DC all over again. Why do all this? Off the wall, left field casting with DC. Why don't they just pick somebody that makes sense? Look at the shit Marvel does. Like I said, they pick uh, Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther. Fits. They pick uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. It made sense. Uh, that chick is Captain Marvel, whatever her name is, Bree something. Yeah. Okay, it made sense. I'm like, I don't know if that movie's gonna be good or not, but at least when they cancel, I'm like, okay, white casting, white white, with, white with, bald lady as the ancient one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay, they're not all, but at least they, 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 okay, I got a minute for that one. <laughs> they can't all be winners. But the thing is, DC does this off-the-wall shit like Ben Affleck is Batman. Now, I like Ben Affleck as Batman, yeah. but at the same time, when you heard that cast, you're like, wait, what the fuck? Like, no, this got to be a joke. Like, no, it's serious, you know, or, you know, they'll do, uh, okay, like Ben says, Everybody always want to bring it up. What about Heath Ledger? Heath Ledger was awesome as Joker. You should give everybody a chance. Like that was like a one-off fucking deal, and that was ten years ago. Stop bringing that. And people up. bitched about that when they first heard it. Yeah. People bitched about that when they first heard it. Right. And it was off the wall casting, but you know it went with that. But the thing is, you got these off the wall casting like Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. Everybody from the very beginning said that was an off-the-wall casting that was bad casting. He was miscast. And when you saw the movie, he was the worst movie villain you've ever seen in your life. So everything that we said, don't do, DC turned around and did it. And then we, then we, when we told you, told you so, you turn around and do this shit again. So none of this shit makes any sense. So you don't make, like, cheetah shit been an easy. It should have been easy. At least, yeah, and, and I get what you're saying. It's like, at least... At least I mean, I haven't seen Christina. Yeah, Christina Wiggs. I mean, she's not ugly, but you know, she's a comedian. Not ugly, but yeah, she's a comedian. Right. I haven't seen her do action really 
action scenes. I mean, they could have got Charlize Theron, you know, who, you know, who's right. kick ass and she's hot and she can kick ass, you know, because she's got all these action you know roles and shit. That, that mummy chick. That mum, remember that mummy chick? Oh, the chick from the go, uh, from the the Kingsman. Yeah. 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 That would have that that would have been my choice. Like, like like I know I know we are nerds always love to do this shit. Every time we hear a movie roll, oh who else would have fan casted as that? I get it. I'm not a Hollywood executive or anything like that. And but that would have been And because she's a minority, we we got the race card. Now no see now we're not sexist. Oh, um, so um, we're not okay. sexist. Okay. You're being racist. <laughs> now, I'm, Eli, I am so glad they picked a white woman for Cheetah. I am so glad about that shit because I am so fucking sick of aliens, mutants, monsters, all this shit being minorities, ethnic black people, stuff like that. Like, we don't have to be that shit all the time. Like, we, we get it. You know, you can have a white person play that shit sometimes, too, you know. Yeah. Just so, I don't know. Wonder Woman 2. Next yeah. year. <laughs> or something. I don't know when it comes out. We'll know when we see it. Like I said, we see the trailer. I might be completely convinced on it. Uh, last thing we want to move on before we actually get to the bread and butter. Let's talk about video games for a second, Eli. Okay. We can talk about video games in a second. And I want to talk about Metal Gear Survive. Have you played Metal Gear Survive yet? I have not. I haven't played Metal Gear since that one way back in the day on PS1. Man, it was like old <laughs> Metal Gear ago. Solid or whatever. Was it the old, that old ass? They were like 90s. Where he yeah, said like 96 or some something. Something, yeah, mid-90s, when he said at the end of the game, he said, my name's Dave. <laughs> and I laughed my ass off. <laughs> okay, I don't remember that part. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, name's Dave. Because all the I didn't get to anything like that. <laughs> Snake. But the reason I want to talk about Metal Gear Survive. Dave, yeah. <laughs> they never mentioned Dave before again. I've not played all those damn games, but I've never heard Dave again. But <laughs> Maybe you would type your name in or something like that and just put it in. <laughs> But anyway, this this Metal Gear Survive game, it's a new game, it's a Metal Gear Zombie game. Uh, apparently, it is getting the worst scores of any Metal Gear game ever because the game is complete dog shit. The guy that made the game, other Metal Gear games got fired from Koji, uh, Konami. So they got some random dude to just take the same engine that he used in the same games and make a zombie game because they just think the shit will sell. Not only are they doing that, but they're charging you for save slots. So if oh, you really? want to save the game... Uh, well, what locally, the fuck? Yeah, they charge you... Shit. Seriously? Right. On, on fucking Metal Gear? Yeah. What the... <laughs> right. <laughs> what the fuck? That's smart. <laughs> yes, this is... Bro, this, this this game has been getting so much shit. And, and people have been finning this game for no fucking reason. See, Eli, this is why I hate brand loyalty. See, people are buying this game because of brand loyalty. Look, I played every Metal Gear games before this shit... Love them all. Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater is my favorite video game of all time. Like, oh, I'll play that shit all day and not think twice about it. Yeah. So, but at the same time, I'm not blinded to just, oh, I'm just going to just buy everything that just says Metal Gear on it, whether it's a piece of shit or not, just so I can be a completist. I'm not that guy. I have to look at it and see it. I can tell bullshit when I see bullshit. I can tell when corporate America slaps a brand name that people like on a box of shit and sell it to you. 
And that's exactly what they're doing here. And it's not the first time they've done stuff like this. So people need to quit defending this game and say, oh, well, you haven't played it. How can you criticize it? I don't have to play every fucking thing to, to know whether it's shit or not. This is 2018. I can go on Twitch. I can go on YouTube. I can do share play. I can find out whether or not a game is shit or not. This ain't back in the 1980s when we had Nintendo. And the only thing you knew was look at the damn box. You know, and yeah. tell whether or not the game's good. Oh, Bayou Billy looks good because of the art cover. Game fucking sucks when you fucking get it. No, this is not that. So I know shit when I see it from a mile away. And if you're in 2018 and you can't tell, I don't know what to say. You 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 need to do more research. That's all I can say from that. Hey, I so. just looked it up. I just Googled it. Solid Stick, real name, David. <laughs> He's a clone. How does he have a real name? <laughs> also known as Old Snake. And briefly known as Iroquois Pliskin? Yeah, yeah, Iroquois. Iroquois is a snake, right? Yeah. That's a, or yeah. Iroquois is a, a native tribe. Right, I, I know I know it's native, so it's native, but it's a snake, I guess, in that area? Iroquois Pliskin. I don't know. Something is like that. Is that what but it was? But, 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 but you know where Pliskin, Pliskin comes from? Yeah, right? that's from Escape from New York. Snake Pliskin. From Escape from exactly, New York. yeah. yeah. What, that guy with the name was Snake? That's that's just a David. Dave, Dave, Dave. Oh, so the guy escaped from New York, Kurt Russell, the name was Snake Plissken. Yeah, yeah, that was his name in, in Escape from New York, yeah. Ah, I knew it was something something related like that. Okay, cool. Oh, uh, something else I was going to say about uh, Snake Plissken. Oh, the guy that voices him is named David. David Hayer. H- David Hayter, that's the name. Oh, really? It he wasn't... wrote the first X-Men movie. Oh, the, yeah, I thought it was the guy who did uh, Spike's voice in Cowboy Bebop. Maybe I don't know. Uh, he sounded like that common animoid voice that I would hear in multiple animes. I don't know. It's been so long. I don't know. I, they they I all know? sound the same. Who knows? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is my that name, racist? I don't know. My name's Dave. I just remember that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then they fired him on the last game so they could put Keeper Sutherland in the voice name. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, actually it sounded pretty good, but I kept hearing 24. I watched 24 so much that that's all I heard. Or, so it kept, kept taking me out of the game. Or, I don't know. or the Lost Boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Phone Booth. Hey, he was the voice in Phone Do it, Michael. Do it, Michael. My blood is in your But you want to say somebody has an awesome voice. Keith Sutherland has an awesome voice, but it just, you you hear Keith Sutherland. That's all. So. Yeah. Designated Survivor. I'm, I'm going to eventually watch that, but oh well, whatever. Oh, uh, that being said, can we move on to the bread and butter of the podcast? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we eventually got there. We round about, we finally got there. Okay, so this is we're the comic book bullies. We're gonna talk about the bread and butter podcast, which is actually comic books. We actually did read some comic books this week. Yay us! Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, that being said, we're gonna start off with some books. I, uh, Eli told me what he had at, before the compact had started. Like I forgot, so I'm gonna let Eli go first and review. One of his books, whichever one he want to go with first. Well, I, I got a bunch of DC. I didn't read any Marvel, so. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, fuck more. Yeah, I guess uh, I'll start out with The Silencer, number two. Okay, because I reviewed the first one, so I'm interested yeah. to see what the second one is. Yeah, like. I, I went, yeah, based on your review, I went and, you know, read it, and I thought it was pretty cool that I, I you know, um, I went and read the second one. Uh, the second one starts out. Uh, action packed. There's like a big long action scene. Uh, she's taking on some some villain from the the uh, what's it called? Where's she from? The under dark or underworld or under something? You know, underpants society or whatever right. the fuck. That some secret <laughs> secret offshoot of the League of Assassins because uh, Talia Al Ghul was involved. 
Um, so she's fighting off this this enemy and she kicks his ass and then has to go in and uh, because she's got that power of the silence, you know, she can quiet everything down and you know so people can't hear what's going on because this took place right in her like right in front of her house, you know, and her, she lives like mm-hmm. in a suburban neighborhood and shit. So um, she's so it it shows her balancing the life, you know, you know, kind of like the Spider Man uh, scenario where balancing the superhero ass kicking with the regular everyday home life. And that's what she has. She has this family that she's trying to uh, raise a kid and a husband. And, and that's, that's the life she wants. She's trying to quit this old, um, you know, kill bill lifestyle that she once had and move on with mm-hmm. the, and just move on and raise a family. Um, so she ends up uh, getting a hold of the head of the, of that organization. I can't remember what the fuck it's called. And she goes to meet him and saying, hey, I'm, you know, I'm out. Uh, you know, I don't want anything to do with this. I don't and He's like, well, we're, we're just looking for Talia al Ghul. You know, just tell her where she is and everything's good. She's like, I don't know where the fuck she is. You know, so they just have this back and forth. I want out. I don't want to do this shit anymore. I got a family. I'm moving on. And then all of a sudden at the end of the at the end of the comic, he goes, OK, well, since you ain't telling us shit, uh, we're going to have to do this the hard way. And then he fucking. uh, uh Unstealth, he says, and the, and uh, all of a sudden, all these like soldiers, you know, appear in, in in behind them. They were like in the stealth mode. They were like invisible. So they would be the whole time, <laughs> yeah. Right. And okay. they all got their guns drawn on her. So that's how it ends. Um, it's yeah, but it's definitely like you know the whole uh, Kill Bill, uh, what's that, Long Kiss Goodnight type of feel. Right. There's like a John Wick type scene where she goes. Kind of like Salt. Salt too also. Kind of remind me of Salt. Yeah, that I never read. Yeah, or I never saw. <laughs> but yeah, there's like a John <laughs> Wick type scene where she goes to like this empty warehouse you know, that out, you know, that's this abandoned part of town. It turns out it has all the supplies of, of this organization. They got guns and tanks and all this shit this in, inside this like abandoned warehouse. You know, that's where she meets that guy. But um, this was pretty cool. I mean, I'm into it. Um, I give it a four out of five. It, it, you know, it's it's you know, I know you're not a John Romita Jr. fan, but hey, you know, he he's, draws better than uh, I do. He draws better than me. <laughs> your description made me think of a much better artist. You said John Romita Jr. is like, oh shit, no. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, it, it, it's it, it's it's you know, it's not bad. I mean, it's it's cool. I I I have no problem. You know, like I said, he I I can't draw this well, so. I, <laughs> but I, I I understand why I understand what you're saying. You know, um, I think when he really tries to be do well, he does very well. You know, sometimes I I do think yeah he's kind of half-assed sometimes. But this this was yeah. I mean cool. we we know why they hire him because he always makes his deadlines. We get that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean I'm into this. I'm kind of into this uh, story. Everyone was telling me it was kind of like The Punisher, and I'm like. Not really, because she's got superpowers. Yeah, it's, it's nothing like the Punisher. Yeah. She's got, like, the superpower. And, and you know what it reminded me of? Was Martha Washington. Okay. I don't know if you ever read Martha Washington. Was that, that's, that was a Frank Miller story, right? Frank Miller. Frank Miller and uh, uh, the guy who drew The Watchmen. What's his name? Gibbons. Uh, Dave Gibbons, Gibbons. Yeah. yeah, Dave Gibbons. If you, if, for anyone who hasn't read Martha Washington, check it out. It's a really cool uh, futuristic tale about this this little black girl who becomes this soldier in this fucked up fascist future of America with civil wars. And um, yeah, it's a great comic, uh, especially, you know, it, yeah, it's a black character for uh, um, it's black history month. Oh shit. We just missed it. It's not black history month anymore. 
We could have brought this up a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> that's okay. I celebrate Black History all week, all year. So. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Martha Washington. That's what it reminded me of. You know, she she kind of looks like this silencer. Uh, what's her name? Honor. She she kind of looks like she has a Martha Washington kind of a look to her. Um, so cool. Okay. Yeah. So that was silencer number two. Pretty cool. Okay. Pretty cool. Okay, so like I said, we're going to keep going with the DC trend. I read one DC book this week, and it's also part of the New Age hero line that Eli was talking about. And this book is The Terrifics, The Terrifics number one, the book I've been waiting for for the longest. Uh, out of all these, this is the one I've been most excited for. So basically how The Terrifics start off is that uh, Mr. Terrific shows back up. He shows up to Simon Stagg's uh, like house or castle or mansion, whatever like that, because basically while he was off in space doing the dark metal bullshit or whatever, Simon Stagg bought his company. So he didn't come there to argue about his company. He wanted to know why Simon Stagg messed with one of his inventions that he made. So he goes in to find out because obviously if he's messing with one of his inventions, you don't know what he's doing. He might screw up some stuff in, in reality. So he goes in there and finds Simon Stagg screwed around with the dark multiverse, you know, the same shit that, they were trying to stop in Dark Knight Metal. He reopened a portal to it. They were like, shut this shit down. And then he opens it and he sees Metamorpho. Metamorpho is in between the Dark Universe and apparently Simon Stagg has sent him into the Dark Universe to find out more stuff about it. And Mr. Riffy like, okay, we need to stop this down right now. So he pulls out this red egg out of his pocket and throws the red egg at uh, Metamorpho. But what happens is that Metamorpho ends up grabbing uh, Mr. Terrific and the red egg, and they all go into the dark universe, and they close back up, and now they're back into the dark universe all over again. So now you got this red egg, you got Mr. Terrific, and you got Metamorpho flying through the air, and then Mr. Terrific says, wake up! Save us! And then the red egg turns into Plastic Man. Plastic Man wakes <laughs> up like, oh, what the fuck going on? You know? And then he grabs Met- Metamorpho and Mr. Terrific and eats them. Well, not eats them, but he puts them into his mouth, you know, while they're flying through space and stuff like that and mr and plastic man's like what the hell happened to me he was like well the dark universe like for some reason put you in a submit animation but now that you're back in the dark universe it woke you back up like okay so how long i've been out uh like a couple years you've been in the back cave for a long time battling the spirits on you like what the fuck you know anyway so they finally land on this they think it's this planet stuff like that so they walk around like hey we land this planet uh, Metamorpho turns into metal so the dark people can't affect them. Mr. Riffick puts some kind of force field on him because he likes super science and shit like that. So they walk around the planet and then they feel the planet like, uh-oh, this is no planet. So uh, Plastic Man stretches himself all out in the space at the outside of the planet to look what's going on and they're standing on this giant dead dude which kind of looks like Galactus a little bit, but we're not going to talk about that. So <laughs> he goes back there and while they go back there, and when he comes back, the three of them are getting attacked by these cockroaches. The cockroaches all fighting them, and they're fighting them and stuff like that. And then they hear this voice, this female voice says, stop! And then it turns around, and it's this in- invisible girl. Okay. <laughs> the, invisible girl the invisible girl is named Phantom Girl, and she says, on my planet, everybody can turn invisible. For some reason, I haven't been able to turn tangible. But now I can go back and forth for some reason in this dark multiverse. So I told the cockroaches to stop. They're not going to attack you anymore. But we need to uh, find a way off this planet, which they still think is a planet. And Mr. Terrific says, what about this spaceship over there? And he goes to the spaceship. And the, the visible girl keeps telling him, well, I've been trying to hack this spaceship for, like, years. And I haven't been able to do anything. And we're like, well, because you're not me. You know, that's what said, because you're not terrific. So he does his science mumbo-jumbo bullshit, hacks into the spaceship, gets the spaceship turned on. And there's this, you know, like this 
big muscular dude, you know, look like some kind of 1930s, um, you know, pulp hero. And he says, my name is Tom Strong. And if you hear this message, I must be dead. It is up to you to save the universe. And that's how the book ends. So, yeah, it's uh, the most fantastic four ripoff you can possibly think of, basically. <laughs> Uh, it, it's all Fantastic Four, but the thing is, they're missing one key element. The Fantastic Four are family, yeah. So it's this family journey when they're going out in space and stuff like that. These are just four dudes, well, three dudes and a chick. It's kind of just hanging around each other like that. So maybe they'll get to know each other. But right now, they just feel like they're just thrown in together and just on these adventures. So I'm kind of missing that that aspect of them because honestly, out of these, I don't give a shit about any of these characters. You know, I don't give a shit about Mister Terrific. I know he's black. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> You know, Invisible Girl, whatever like that. I can't remember her name, you know. Metamorphal never gave a fuck about him. Plastic Man, eh, kind of whatever about him. But overall, eh, I give the book a 3 out of 3. 3.5. I give it a 3.5 out of 5 because it was a fun adventure. It's just that, that the adventure is cool, but the people going on the adventure, I don't give a shit about. Yeah. You know, that's all. So. All right. Well, cool. Uh, I guess I'll move on to Mira, Queen of Atlantis, number one. From DC, mm-hmm. uh, Dan Abnett still writing the uh, Aquaman adventures. Uh, Land Medina and Richard Friend on art. Um, this book was okay. It's a lot of uh, redundant, uh, kind of rehashing, recapping what's been going on in the the Aquaman uh, comics lately. Uh, basically, Mira, she's been infected by this magic. She's kind of on the surface world while she's, uh, you know, uh, on resting. She's supposed to be resting while Aquaman wages this war down in Atlantis, taking over uh, King Wrath. Um, and, and Mira is recovering because she has been crowned queen. Once, once Aquaman kicks Wrath's ass off the throne, Queen uh, Amira is supposed to become queen, supposed to rule Atlantis after that. So... We get a lot of recapping, so it's it's a lot of it's just kind of redundant and repetitive. Um, she does she's supposed to be resting um, because she's got in, you know infected with magic and she uh, she does she's not at her full power. She can't do her aquakinesis or any of that shit. And she gets attacked by some uh, villain known as the Eel, which I guess is from Gotham. I never knew that. So they have this fight. She you know manages to kick his ass because she's Mira and. Um, <clears throat> And they're just the Justice League show up, and they're just kind of wondering what's going on and what was she doing, and you know, can we can we help uh, Arthur? And she's like, no, this is a problem that we must Atlantis must solve on their own. Um, and then of course there's like the the senator is like she uh, talks to a senator who's like, you know, wondering, hey, I hope this war doesn't you know, bleed out onto the surface world because you know what happened last time and all that shit. And it's just basically Mira being a diplomat, you know, you know, trying to, you know, you know, smooth everything over, you know, between the the ocean world and and the surface world. Um, And then at the end, it is revealed that Orm, uh, what's his face? Ocean master is, uh, he, he is uh, on, he's living somewhere on Earth, on the surface world, he's got a family. So, uh, what? Yeah. Okay. So he's yeah he's um yeah so there's some obviously he's gonna be uh, meeting up with Mira at some point uh, and who knows what happens. So like, does, does he remember himself? I thought he, he hated the surface world. Yeah. Well, he's been banished there and he's got he's got like a stepson and a wife 
and he's telling it show the beginning it's showing him telling all these stories about Atlantis and all the adventures of sea monsters and shit and um you know so it's just showing him you know being a being a, a human like a human father or whatever and just getting on with his life and then he hears on the news about what happened you know with Tamira Mira is you know it, Mira has appeared on at at a, at a uh, what's the uh, Bay what's Amnesty Bay or whatever and so that's what makes him remember everything and he's just like oh yeah yeah I used to be the king of uh, Atlantis all that shit um, so. I mean, the book was okay. Like I said, it was a little redundant. The art is still awesome. I give it a three out of five. This is obviously just set up um, and just a side story to what's going on in the Aquaman series. So, yeah. Cool. I mean, are they, are they, written, are they written by the same guy? Yeah, Abnett, Daniel Abnett. Yeah. So. Now, Andrew, okay, a lot of time when these books are written by the same guy, you know, it's, it's gonna be they're going to bleed into each other eventually. So. Yeah. So. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Alright, uh, next I can talk, okay, so the book I'm going to talk about next is, uh, can't remember the name of it. Basically, Marvel's Infinity Prelude number two. Okay. So, for anybody that's been keeping up, like I said, this is supposed to be one of those prequel comics to the actual Infinity War movie. Like I said, they've already had part one where they talked about when the soldiers share and stuff like that. So part two goes deeper into it. It's supposed to lead up to Infinity Wars comes out next, next month. So, what happens in the book? Uh, Dr. Strange is meditating, you know, he's doing his whatever, whatever. Wong comes in and interrupts his meditation. Now, of course, you know, in the Marvel Universe, in, this, in the movie universe, Wong is not his, you know, butler. You know, just guy and cleans up and is cooking shit like that. Wong had just as much rank as Dr. Strange does because, you know, Dr. Strange runs the New York Sanctum Sanctorium. Wong runs the Chinese Sanctum Sanctorium. Now, we all know they did that to paint China, but whatever. Uh, like I said, he tells them, okay, so you got the, the time stone. You know about the Infinity Stones, right? Yeah. Well, do you know about the other Infinity Stones? He's like, no. Nah. So they go through a whole thing about what happened to the other Infinity Stones. You got the, okay, you know, because you had the time stone, but what happens if somebody evil gets their hands on these Infinity Stones? Take the example of the Space Stone. Now, back in World War II, this insane Nazi named Johann Smith had his hands on it, who we know is the Red Skull. You know, mm-hmm. we know what happened with that one. Go watch Captain America, whatever. Then, of course, after that, not only did he come back, another guy got his hands on the same space stone, and he also has another mind stone, which is Loki. Evil crazy has located his hands on two Infinity Stones at the same time and almost came very, very, very close to conquering the Earth. Uh, then there's this other stone called – what's the other one? Oh, yeah, then he was talking about the, the – what was that? The Reality Stone, which thankfully Thor was able to stop – that one, and he had it shipped off into space. Maybe it's with Asgard. Wong doesn't really know. He just knows it's not on Earth and thing like that. And then he says the last. Uh, he says the last stone is the uh, is the power stone. He says the power stone. Thankfully, it's not on Earth because we, as the mystics of masters of mysticism or whatever the fuck they call themselves, we're only concerned about Earth safety. So anything that happens outside in space, or whatever like that, that's not our problem. So if somebody, if some evil dude gets their hands on the power stone in another galaxy, hopefully somebody can guard that galaxy. Maybe a guardian. <laughs> they didn't say that. I'm just making this shit up. But anybody who's talking about guarding the galaxy with Ronin and shit like that. So, yeah, he said that's all. But, and then I was trying to say, wait a minute. You said there's one more infinity. You said there was six infinity stones. You told me five. And before he walked uh, in, he like, wait a minute. We got an alert, and then he looks out his, like, magic mirror and stuff like that, and he sees Loki and Thor. 
you know, Thor has his umbrella, Loki is standing around the black suit. Basically the scene from Thor Ragnarok. Okay. You're like, yeah. Now, if they're on Earth, and we've known Loki had his hands on two of the Infinity Stones and almost conquered the Earth, and we need to protect the Earth from the Infinity Stones, we need to find out what the fuck they're doing here. You're like, you're, I'm on it. And then Doctor Strange does his thing, you know, teleporting in the same sanctorium, blah, blah, blah. He asked Thor, why the fuck are you here? He like, look for my dad. He like, if I, if, I have you, if I get you to your dad, you fuck up my planet? He's like, sure. Great. Let's get you the fuck out of here. So that's the whole backstory of that. Basically, they're trying to make sure that anything related to the Infinity Stones get the fuck off, off Earth. That's why they're trying to get these Asgardians off there. So he sends, uh, he knows where Odin is. He sends the Asgardians to Odin. And he's like, so uh, did they find out? Yeah, but I don't know what happened after that, you know. They don't know. They hadn't seen Thor Ragnarok, so they don't know, you know. And so that's good because we need to make sure that if anybody get their hands on all of the five stones at one time, we're going to have a war this universe has never seen before. And then there's a picture of Thanos, you know, clinching the Infinity Gauntlet in his hand, but it's all empty right now, and that's how the book ends. So, yeah, it's cool. It's pretty much a throwaway issue. It's nothing, it's nothing necessary that you have to read. It is a cool you know, gives you a little more insight of why Thor, uh, like Doctor Strange was so interested in Thor and, you know, in Thor Ragnarok, but, you know, it's just some cool shit, and they did a lot, a whole lot of recap and stuff we already knew. Overall, get the book three out of five. It was cool, fun reading, but it's nothing that you, you have to read. It's not necessary reading in order to understand, you know, what's happening in Infinity War, so, yeah. Alright, cool. Cool, cool. Um, rating, did you give it a rating? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, three out of five. Okay. All right, cool. I, I got, um, another one from DC, uh, Batman and Wonder Woman, The Brave and the Bold. Um, this one's kind of weird. It's very wordy. Um, it's basically, uh, the fairy realm is, is, uh, needs some help from Batman and Wonder Woman. This, um, God. Wait, is, is that political? Is that politically correct? Fairy? Well, it's it, this is like Celtic, er, Irish mythology. So, <laughs> okay, <laughs> this gods of this god of fertility and the hunt named Sarunios. He looks like his big giant ogre dude, and he comes okay. over to get um, right in the middle of uh, uh, while Steve Trevor and Wonder Woman are fucking. So he kind of interrupts. <laughs> They're a smash wow, session okay. to tell, hey, we need we need your help, you know. Um, and also at at the same time, yeah, I mean, he, he could he could break one, yeah, he could break one woman's concentration and snap it right off, you know. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and she's like, oh my god, this is a god. I I must, you know, he she knows who he is, and I yeah, I will I will accompany you. Um, and at the same time, Bruce Wayne is sensing some weird shit going on in Gotham, where people are just kind of frozen on the street. They're kind of like in this trance. So he thinks it's the scarecrow, but it isn't really. But anyways, uh, in this weird Turnanog or whatever, this realm of fairies and, and elves and shit, uh, uh, Wonder Woman, he, this this god this god takes Wonder Woman there because some king has been murdered. So they they're trying to find out who murdered this king over there, um, <clears throat> and that's pretty much what it is. It's just the setup, the setup establishing these worlds and shit. And the situation, very wordy, very, a lot of exposition, kind of explaining this realm and all that, and the gods and shit. But the art is amazing. This, this uh, Liam Sharp and Romulo Bajarda Jr., the art alone is worth it. 
this is just amazing looking. The, the, the way the, 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 yeah, it's just really nice to look at. Um, very fantasy like, you know, especially when they go to the fan, uh, the realm, the fairy realm or whatever. Yeah. Very great art. Um, kind of a weird story, but, uh, but it's, but the art alone is worth it. So I give it a four out of five. Cool. Cool. Okay. It's a pretty cool story. All right. Uh, last book I got, last book I got, I'm going to talk about, uh, Avengers 682. Like I said, we are ramping up to get to 69 because it's saying it's going to be the grand finale of this Avengers that have going on. Uh, this is like part, I don't know, whatever, of No Surrender. Basically how the book starts out. And, and Eli, this is kind of a, a Red Wolf story. I, I saw him on the cover. <laughs> he, he's on the cover. So basically how the book starts off is that it starts off in 19, uh, 1872. Starts okay. off in 1872. Okay. Yeah, in the Valley of Doom. Okay. Yeah. And we see Red Wolf. Standing, Red Wolf is standing over this canyon, you know, and he's uh, this, you know, this redneck hillbilly, whatever like that, got a gun pointed at him. He was like, uh, yeah, you're in for it now. You can one more step, I'm going to blow your brains out. You know, everyone does say anything, just stands there, and he's recalling the story about what his mom tells him, like, uh, only act when you need to act, you know, know when the time is right, you can't know the path to the path, and presents itself, you know, that stuff. So, they cut back to New Mexico, present time in 2018, whole fucking battle just raging, and Red Wolf's doing nothing. Red Wolf's just standing there with his arms crossed, not engaging in the battle at all. Hawkeye's just shooting shit left and right, so like that arrow's going all over the place. Like, give me a shit, Red Thunder, what's going on? And I think Falcon flies in or something like that and tells him, that little pyramid over there, you need to make sure they don't get their hands on that pyramid, otherwise the earth is going to be destroyed. He's like, cool. So he starts shooting about it, make sure they don't get anywhere near the pyramid. Red Wolf still has his hands crossed, doesn't do anything. Uh, and they pretty much fight for like fucking 20 minutes or some shit. I don't know, 20 pages. Like, the book is just nothing but a big-ass fight. Eventually, uh, Red Wolf uncrosses his arms. And he was like, finally, I understand my 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 uh my path. I see my path in front of me. And he talks to Hawkeye. He was like, Hawkeye, when I give you the word, give me cover. I'm like, what the fuck you mean give you cover? I'm gonna make a go for it. He like, you can't make a go for it. You saw what happened to Human Torch. If if you touch the pyramid, you die. He like, no, I won't. I'm like, what do you mean you won't? If I die, I'll come back. Don't worry about it. He's like, okay, that's some weird shit. So anyway, Rival just takes off running. Just just runs straight for the, like 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 Barry Sanders and shit, like cutting through the O line or something. You know, uh, Hawkeye is just taking out dudes in front of him and stuff like that. He's just running, hopping over dudes, dodging them stiff arm, running move, whatever. <laughs> Basically, so uh, Red Wolf touches the pyramid, and of course he disappears. Pyramid disappears, everything explodes, whatever like imply, and you know, game over stuff like that. And then Flapping looks at Hawkeye like, Hawkeye, what the fuck are you doing? First Bruce first you kill Bruce Banner, then you kill Red Wolf. Is that what is that how you treat your friends, you kill your friends all the time? And he turns to Falcon and says, Red Wolf was isn't my friend. He's my brother. Uh... <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, and then uh, they cut back the Grandmaster and the Challenger, you know, overlooking, and they were like, oh, shit, the Avengers are winning the contest. The Avengers win the contest. It's going to be a stalemate. You know, you know what happens to stalemate. We're just going to blow every fucking thing up anyway. They're like, that's okay, because we got the last fifth pyramid. They call it the Quintessence, and I'm going to make sure if they put their hands on this, we're going to have uh, – they're going to have a real battle. Uh, and then while they're doing that, we cut to Beast and Wasp. And they're looking over uh, Alfred, not Alfred, Jarvis, same fucking guy, who cares? Uh, 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 Alfred, not Alfred, Jarvis has Avengers fever, so he's dying, and they don't know why he's dying. They're trying to figure out every reason they can why he's dying. And all of a sudden, 
Jarvis just wakes up out of nowhere. He's like, it's a lie. It's all a lie. And then he passed back out. And when he started packing out, he flatlines. They're like, oh, we've got to save him. He's flatlining right now. He's dying. But before they can do that, that fifth pyramid that the channel was talking about, it pops up in the middle of the hospital. And everybody starts freaking out shit like that. And, and, and Beast looks at the uh, door of the hospital room, and he's like, oh, shit, there's a pyramid, so I know what that means. So he knows the Lethal Legion, the Black Order, and Avengers about to tear the, that fucking hospital apart while they're trying to, you know, resurrect Jarvis back from the dead. And then the challenger comes back to him. He was like, yeah, I'm going to make this game interesting. That hospital is going to be in trouble. And don't worry, I got another ringer because my ringer is rage. And rage isn't betrayal. You know, rage doesn't care if you turn your back on it. Rage is cold. Rage is unstoppable. And rage will never die. And out of, New Me- out of Nevada, the Incredible Hulk. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Immortal Hulk. Oh, okay. And they made sure to put in there... Dr. Robert Bruce Banner, the Immortal Hulk, will return in seven days. They want you to make sure this is the Hulk you know. This is your Hulk. Yeah. Not not Korean horny Hulk, <laughs> teenage Hulk, the one that we know. And we don't know how it's going to turn out. Like I said, last time we saw Hulk, uh, he was killed by a Hawkeye. So he may be in a bad mood when he sees the Avengers. We don't know. <laughs> Just got to find out next find out next week or something shit like that so yeah that's what the book's going on so far overall i give it a three out of five well, you know what i give it a three three point five out of five because i'm glad the book finally acknowledged that the, the book is just 20 minutes of just people beating the shit out of each other all the time it's been like that for the last four books like okay is there any story to this and finally even though red wolf didn't really do shit to the very last page and he probably ended up dying at the very end of it at least he you know sat back and kind of you know, look at it. Okay, if all these dudes are fighting, let me figure out. What, let me study the battlefield and see what the fuck's going on. You know, so like I said, three point five and five. Hulk is back. He'll be there next week. Probably, you know, review that book too. Who knows? But yeah, that's what I get for Avengers: No, no Surrender. Cool, cool. All right. Well, my last book is uh, from Heavy Metal Comics. Their new line of comics they have. Uh, it's called Tarda. Now, for those who don't know, Tarda is uh, from the movie. The heavy metal movie, the old 80s uh, cartoon, animated cartoon, um, the the warrior chick with white hair who comes down, rides that like dinosaur pterodactyl thing and kicks ass, you know, you know, in a bikini, of course, uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of uh, shaped my uh, my adolescence as far as like, uh, you know, my 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 fetish of hot chicks who can kick ass. <laughs> so uh so yeah this is their, their their yeah heavy metal's been doing a whole line of comics and um this is one of them um and it's just uh it's it's tarna number one um basically it's some weird alien world where some sort of fascist government is going on and these two kids are kind of running the streets um pickpocketed and shit and then tarna falls out of the sky and just kind of lands inside this uh, building, and they're like, what the hell, who are you? And um, they get picked up by the police and thrown into this uh, this military, this ultra-fascist military, where they have to fight these demon army. And it's very violent and gory and everything you'd want from heavy metal comics. There's, nu- there's nudity, of course, so a lot of boobies and nipples and shit. And, uh, and awesome. ass-kicking. Ass and the art is awesome. It looks like a Mobius fucking strip. It's fucking pretty cool. Um, very, you know, very simple, 
not not uh, nothing complicated, just a straight up sci-fi fantasy action comic going on. Nothing's really explained. It's just all set up. But the art, again, the art is amazing. So I give this a four out of five. This is pretty dope. I can't wait for the second. <laughs> awesome. Okay. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, and you're probably not shocked in this. I've never seen the heavy metal movie. Oh man, that was great. That was one of my th- that was one of my shits when I was a kid. I wasn't allowed to watch it growing up. Oh man, <laughs> you know, well, I missed that train. Car- <laughs> cartoon nipples, man, it was dope. <laughs> you know how the '80s was. You could blow off as many faces and shoot as many people as you want to. Nudie, uh, uh-uh. yeah. no kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's why we're all fucked up now. <laughs> Uh yeah, like I said, that's all the books we have. Hopefully, uh, uh you know, get enticed to maybe pick one up, pick the next one up after that. Um, uh, like I said, we have a whole shitload of podcasts. With it, I lost track of how many because every time I turn around, there's a new podcast popping up and out. Right, geekery. So definitely check them out. If nothing else, check them out for this reason. Like I said, we we review these comics. Now, when you go check out this geeking comics with Ryan, they're gonna have a completely different uh. You know, they're going to review the same books and have a completely different opinion on what they think about it. Same thing with Comic Cast. You're going to get a whole bunch of different opinions and reviews and insights on these same books, and it's kind of interesting when you think about it. That's what I think we'll listen to it. So definitely listen to them and see what you think about it. Um, that being said, Eli, you got anything else left? I'm good. I'm okay. Uh, like I said, this is another epic one. So if you listen to it this long, definitely like, share, and subscribe. Uh, until then, this is Leroy. This is Eli. And check out what we say next time, same bully time, same bully channel. What a thrill with darkness and silence through the night. What a thrill. I'm searching and I'll melt into you What a fear in my heart But you're so supreme I give my time.